So I'm so excited to have with me one of the experts in real estate period that I look to. Um, he is um, somebody who has done uh, lots of business in the Orange County area as uh, the Remax International Director. He's also the OCSation, OC Association Global Committee Chair for 2018 and just all around a really um, can I say meticulous? Uh, somebody who you know can you know take care takes care of all the details. Somebody who's just a really expert real estate um, guru. So thank you, Spencer Hu, for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show. And I've seen you've been doing a good job um, introducing a wide variety of people to your um, web show. So that's very good, and I'm very happy to be able to attend. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you so much for being here as well. So um, you have a very interesting background, as in, you know, you kind of have a very interesting journey of how you got into real estate. So can you share with us, you know, what was it like growing up for you? You know, what was your background? Um, uh, let's, let's start from the beginning. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, so basically, uh, both sets of my parents um, actually immigrated over to the U.S. from Taiwan. Uh, both sets originally were from China, um, of course. So in their teens, uh, both families immigrated over to Taiwan, um, of course, due to the political situation at that time. And we won't go into details. Um, everyone kind of knows about it. Um, and basically, both of uh, my parents immigrated over to the U.S. Uh, initially starting basically for school. Um, so this is all... Um, I would say uh, postgraduate, so graduate level and postgraduate level, they ended up here in the U.S. Uh, my dad originally um, at first was in Hawaii before ending up in California, so that was kind of interesting. Um, so a little bit um, strange fact about my family is a whole bunch of my family is actually involved in real estate um, on the broker side. So that's, of course, had a huge influence on me growing up. Um, kind of, um, I was exposed to um, the kind of the investing or the kind of uh, management portion of real estate uh, since I was very young. Um, and then um, when I graduated, um, most Asian parents, of course, they're looking to kind of get um, discounts or want their children to have um, options for discounts. They said, you should get a real estate license when you buy a house. Maybe you can save um, on that commission portion. So um, I actually... Um, took my real estate licensing coursework when I was uh, finishing up high school. Yeah. Um, so even before I started college, um, I didn't actually look into real estate as a career until uh, I graduated college, of course. Um, but anyways, um, as far as my family, basically almost everyone on my mom's side, as far as uncles and aunts, they have real estate licenses. Um, one of the aunts and uncles, they own a Century 21. Um, they're a co-owner um, in uh, South Bay, Torrance area. Um, and I hear it's a pretty big operation. Um, on my dad's side, um, they don't have real estate licenses per se, but they've been investing um, same amount of time as my parents. And my parents have basically been investing in real estate since I was about one or two. So um, it's basically, I've had this um, kind of um, little push um, all through my childhood, um, if it was intentional or not. Uh, but of course, that kind of drove me into um, the real estate field. And when I graduated college, um, at that time, basically the job market was not um, uh, very, very happy situation. 
So we kind of had to make do with what we had. Uh, my educational background, um, I started in computer engineering, uh, have very high, um, I guess, IT tech related uh, background as far as employment. Um, but I graduated with studio art degree, critical theory. Um, so a little bit um, uh, swerved from the uh, original path. But um, to me, I thought that was very valuable because that's when I uh, personally, um, I think, developed a lot since, um, like you, growing up, I was very, very uh, shy, almost painfully. Um, and it wasn't until college that I kind of uh, started becoming very social. So, um, and that wasn't until I became part of a kind of a art major. Um, if I stayed as an engineering major, who knows what have ha happened. That's amazing. So I do want to ask a little bit about the studio art that you've made. Uh -huh. um, what, like, and what actually drove you to think, hey, I want to go into studio art um, as opposed to electrical engineering? And why did you start studying electrical engineering? Okay, so basically, um, all through my teens, and I'm pretty sure um, most teens nowadays are um, teen males, are interested in video games. Yeah. Um, so at that time, um, consoles, uh, so basically the Playstations or the Xboxes, that was not the primary platform for video games. Uh, pl primary platform was actually uh, PC-based and uh, personal computer, basically. And at that time, basically, um, to me, that was kind of a hobby, putting together computers, um, basically tweaking the computers hardware-wise, software-wise. And naturally, that kind of um, gave an inclination to kind of choose computer engineering or uh, computer tech-related major when uh, basically applying for college. And it just happens that um, for UCI, uh, where I went to school, I applied to both computer science, um, which is more software side, uh, ICS, uh, information computer science, and uh, basically electrical computer engineering, uh, which I ended up being accepted for. Um, so that kind of shows where that went. Um, so going into college, um, and uh, before starting college, I was actually very interested in photography. Um, so photography kind of gave me a uh, kind of a visual background or visual backing um, and kind of about um, two years two and a half years into college that's when I decided um, that the computer engineering was kind of boring me out um, was kind of um, stressing me out as far as um, a lot of technical related stuff um, that didn't hold my interest and basically the hours related uh, to basically doing the uh, homework assignments um, or whatnot and I said I think I need a change um, and basically um, like I said I was always interested in visual arts because of the photographic um, interest and that was a good fit and I had a couple friends that were already um, in the studio art major so that kind of made it um, a little bit easier to kind of migrate over and for the UCI program for arts at that time was very unique um, basically like I said I kind of went through what I call critical theory um, as kind of the concentration be, uh, besides the visual. And critical theory is kind of um, molding the students how to think, uh, how to think inside the box, outside the box, uh, thinking big picture, um, which is all very cool for business, of course, but um, for visual arts and just the art in general, um, I thought that was very interesting. And we kind of had it very good because a lot of the faculty at that time were, um, basically active in the art uh, field. So they're exhibiting artists, 
Uh, but they all basically graduated from Cal Arts, uh, California Institute of Arts, which is probably the number one ranked art school um, as far as um, traditional arts and uh, art theory on the West Coast. Um, so that was kind of cool. We kind of got an uh, offshoot of a Cal Arts education, I like to say. That's amazing. I mean, I think it's great that you decided to, you know, follow your dreams. And um, I was just curious, like, did you think what you're going to do after graduation? Like, did your parents say anything? Or was it just like a really true smooth transition? How was that for you? So um, growing up when we were younger, um, my parents were very, very traditional Asian parents. We want you to be a doctor. We want you to be an engineer. We want you to be a lawyer. Um, what most Asian parents want their children to be. Um, once we got to college, and it happened with my sister as well, my sister started um, in, uh, I believe she started in electrical engineering at UCLA, and same thing, she basically got bombarded with, um, it was basically programming stuff, which she had zero interest in, and she came home crying a couple times, actually saying, I can't do this, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so she, she ended up actually transferring to uh, mechanical engineering, which is more of an open and broad field. Um, and she's actually um, up in Silicon Valley right now um, working in a, um, what did she describe that as? Um, kind of a solar panel um, OEM type company. So they basically design uh, solar panel type technology. Um, but anyways, um, because I went through that earlier, my parents, of course, were more open for her doing that as well. Um, when I basically decided I was not going to continue as an engineer, um, my parents at that time were very supportive. So it wasn't a huge uh, deal breaker, didn't uh, break their hearts or anything. Uh, my dad, um, basically, when he was growing up, uh, my uh, grandfather, who passed away before I was born, uh, unfortunately, my grandfather was an artist in China uh, before, so he was a brush painter. So my dad, growing up, that was his background as well. So my dad was more uh, supportive, saying, if Spencer wants to do that, let Spencer do that. <laughs> so that That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, so they're very supportive throughout that. That's a great story. I love that, you know, you talk about your sister, because I think um, I'm an only child, so I don't have that experience, but I can imagine, okay. you know, when you have an older sibling going through the same thing, um, they're much more understanding. And now, you know, you got into real estate. So after you graduated, did you immediately think, okay, I'm going to go into real estate, I'm going to, you know, um, did you did you have like any thoughts on different careers? Or did you feel like this is this is what I want to do? Um, so basically, um, I, um, Let's see. So basically halfway through high school, I started working. Um, so I was uh, basically doing a lot of IT related work, uh, kind of tech support, break fix type um, stuff. And then into college, um, I actually worked at the Orange Unified School District, same type of position on uh, tech support or uh, break fix, setting up their network, setting up their computer labs. So all through college basically is all uh, technical related um, uh, professional work. Uh, basically, probably about the last year of college, um, basically, I started um, shooting photos professionally, um, trying to get a feeler if that was something that would uh, be able to be income producing, um, be able to support myself off of that alone. Um, and basically, I don't know if you uh, have any other artists or art-related friends, the creative field is very, very tough. Um, Basically, anyone that kind of picks, these days, anyone that picks up a camera says, I'm a photographer, yay. Yeah. And they're going to basically undercut whatever the normal rates are. So um, they'll go do a job that maybe the market rate may be 2500 to 3000 
they'll do it for 5, 000, uh, 500, um, so many, many, many times less. Um, so there's basically no way um, to compete with that, especially if you're basically a beginner. Even if your product or your portfolio is top tier, you don't have the experience that most people um, kind of want with the higher price range. Um, and I kind of ran into kind of those issues. Um, I basically, at that point, I did weddings. Um, I've shot uh, catalog type stuff. I shot fashion related stuff, um, which was kind of cool. That was kind of gas money. Um, and at that point, it was fun, so it was fine. Um, but trying to do that for income, completely different story. Um, there's no way I, I would think you would be able to support yourself um, as just a single person. If you join a company, maybe um, as a single entrepreneur, um, as an arts-related uh, entrepreneur, more difficult. Um, and it was at that time, basically, I got my license as well. So I, um, basically, that first year after graduation is kind of when I started real heavily into real estate. Now, my uh, train of thought at that time was if I was spending the same amount of time and effort trying to find a photographer-type um, um, gig, I guess, yeah. a position or a shoot, as I was to kind of locate a, a real estate-related client, a purchase buyer or a seller, it's the same. Um, the payouts, of course, were much different. Right. Um, here in California, of course, our um, real estate pricing has historically always been a little bit higher than most of the rest of the U.S., um, besides New York, which is, of course, higher. Um, so the commission check, of course, um, per deal, you're looking maybe anywhere from maybe 10000 to 20000 So um, whereas if you're spending that to get a client, the time and effort, and then your photographic-related shoot, maybe at most you're getting 5000 for the same amount of work and a lot of um, post-work after. Right. So that was kind of part of the uh, train of thought at that point. That's awesome. So I am going to, you know, go into more like, you know, this is kind of the meat of the thing. So a lot of your clients are foreign, right? A lot of your clients are from different countries. And one of the first things, at least in, I think, the um, Asian mentality is, you know, we got to invest in the house because we don't understand stocks. We don't understand like, you know, different companies, franchises are too annoying. A lot of Chinese people, the first thing you think of, how can we find a house, right? So what kind of advice would you give for first time, like foreign buyers who are in the U.S.? Um, what would you want them to know? Um, so um, like you said, um, my team has worked a lot with a lot of incoming, um, basically we call them inbound Chinese investors and relocation clients within the last about five to six years. Um, and of course, we all know right now the Chinese are the number one international uh, residential real estate purchasers in the U.S., um, and this applies to not just Asians or Chinese, um, with anyone basically relocating to a new country, they should start to do their homework before they arrive. We've, um, run into a lot of, um, early on, um, we, we train our clients now before we meet them, but earlier on when we were first starting with international clients, they would show up and have no clue where they are. No, a lot of them basically have not been to the U S before. Have like not geographically? Geographically, right. I have not been to Los Angeles if they have been to the oh, US okay. Okay. So we're kind of driving them around like a tour guide, um, which is not the best use of a real estate agent's time, real estate broker's time. Right. We're here to basically help them um, achieve their goal, which is to purchase the perfect home for them to either live in or to invest in or whatever their main intent is. Um, so we found out um, a lot of trial and error, of course, um, because um, 
a lot of these international clients, they're not like the local clients. Local clients, they're here. They know what's going on with the local market. They know the areas. Um, so that was one of the main issues we kind of uh, ran into a wall with. Um, and just to give a short story, um, we had one client actually, um, and it happened the basic first time, so that's why we kind of adjusted. And they said, I want to purchase in downtown LA. I go, why, why do you want to purchase in downtown LA? And they go, isn't downtown where everything's happening, where the most expensive real estate is? Um, and that's kind of them bringing the Asian mentality here to the US, because everywhere in Asia, the downtown is actually the center of the city where all the nightlife, where all the good restaurants, where all the um, most luxurious buildings as far as residential, that's where those would be. Whereas here in the US, um, if you wanted to do a direct comparison, I think only New York, uh, Manhattan, and parts of downtown San Francisco would have that similar direct analogy. Here in uh, Southern California, no one wants to live in downtown <laughs> yeah. uh, unless unless their students or, yeah. or their kids are basically going to USC. That's the only time we've actually pushed for downtown. Yeah. Otherwise, we will uh, try to steer our clients away from there because that is not the best choice, my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So um, when in, in terms of your clients, I imagine you have like clients all over the world. So I'm just curious, like what are, and you're the real estate agent. So part of, you're probably their first point of entry to even America. So um, what are the reasons why they come here and want to um, invest and buy homes? Uh-huh. Okay, so on this, I'll speak more um, for Asian inbound clients because um, they're all kind of share the same mentality and the same factors as far as immigration. Um, one of the big ones basically is they want their children um, to have a better uh, life growing up um, than they did. A lot of the um, clients that we have worked with and that are coming over right now to purchase in the US, they basically, um, we would call them. Uh, Novo Rich, uh, newly rich. Um, and they basically created their wealth within the last five to uh, 10 years. So they grew up basically, a lot of them basically as farmers, their families, or basically out in the outskirts as, as very poor people. Um, one of my um, clients that we're working with, we haven't closed anything yet, but um, he's basically very actively looking. Um, once a project comes along that uh, makes sense for what he wants to do, He'll probably jump on it, but um, he's basically the number two largest uh, property developer in Songqing, uh, Chongqing area, which that is very big. But he grew up poor. He's very down to earth. Um, you would never know uh, bumping into him on the street that he's a multi-billionaire. Um, so we have a lot of clients um, like that. And then all the way ranging down, of course, to your kind of uh, average Joe client, um, which is also looking for the same thing. They want their children to kind of grow up in better circumstances than they did themselves. Um, and of course, these di uh, big range of uh, clients, what they buy is going to differ, of course. But what they look for as the primary um, the factors for choosing the property will be similar. Um, so one of those basically is they're looking for school districts. School district is very important. Um, and where we are in Irvine, Irvine within the last probably three years um, has become very popular for Chinese and uh, Asian incoming buyers. And part of that is because uh, University High School um, was basically top-ranked public high school in the U.S. Um, and this was 2013, I believe, was the ranking they had that. 
Um, so basically put Irvine on the map. Um, before that, when we were basically going out to China and introducing where we were from, we would say, we're from Irvine. They go, huh, what's Irvine? We had to kind of just say, oh, we're from LA region, but that school district area. And they can kind of piece it together um, what I'm getting at. Um, the second thing they would be looking for basically is lifestyle. Um, so if they send their children over, more often than not, one of the parents will come over as well. So the mother, if the father's working, the father, if the mother's working, um, and basically be with the child. Um, and I'm talking more um, along uh, primary education, so elementary school, middle school, high school. Uh, for college, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so if the parents come over, basically, most of them will not speak English. So they would want um, something that um, would be similar lifestyle to where they're coming from. So for instance, um, I'll use Irvine as an example again. Uh, Irvine has two uh, very large Chinese supermarkets. The two ch large Chinese supermarkets have a lot of Chinese restaurants around them. So you basically right away beat two of those items right off the list. Um, they want to be where good hospitals are. Um, they want to be uh, where it's convenient to get to public transportation. Um, and I mean uh, freeways, basically, uh, convenience to freeways. Uh, we all know, of course, in Southern California, we don't really have a very good train right, system. Yeah, I was system. <laughs> um, yeah. They're used to that, of course, in Asia, but um, they have to adjust over here, adapt. Um, and then lastly, basically, they need to know that it's a safe and sound investment. Um, even if they are living in it themselves, and uh, me personally, when I purchase real estate, I'm looking at the investment side as well. Um, if I sell it in five years, am I making a little bit on selling it as well as basically living there and using it in between? Um, the Chinese clients, of course, are looking at that as well. If they're um, living in it, when they sell it, are they going to make a little bit of money? Um, if they're buying a little straight investment, what is the investment yield from the rent? That's amazing. I just love how knowledgeable you are in like all areas. Like some of the things that I think was, was kind of like, oh, it's, I, I get about other things that you were saying. It's just like, um, I think everyone is concerned about it and I'm glad that mm -hmm. you brought that up. Um, so for a lot of the people listening, like they they might be thinking of getting a house, but they might be worried about, oh, you know, I don't know how to pick a realtor. So what are some of the mistakes that you've seen people um, make when they are first uh, buying a home? Okay, so uh, right now it happens a lot less, but earlier on when um, it was more hot for basically um, a lot of international companies to present their projects direct into the China market um, through marketing direct or um, doing what we did early on, which was attend uh, property and investment exposition type shows. Um, a lot of these uh, Chinese investors basically just went on face value. They didn't investigate the project. Um, basically passed all the pretty fancy, um, basically marketing materials, the photos, the videos, um, the pro forma numbers, if it's an investment property. So a lot of these projects basically, um, the actual projects were not what they were presented to be. Um, so they buy something and then they go, and then they go out a couple years later and say, this isn't what I thought I bought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that, that was something that happened earlier on. And luckily, um, I haven't heard anything like that happening recently, so that's kind of um, solved itself, uh, I think is what happened. Um, right now, basically, um, what we like to tell our um, new clients that are coming to invest, um, either where we are locally or if I refer them to someone else, um, 
across the US, uh, we have a lot of partners in our referral base, is basically like I was getting at earlier, start your research early so you know what specific areas are what. Like for instance, here uh, in Orange County, you can be in Irvine, but um, less than an hour away, you're in Riverside, and there's a big value difference. You could be basically buying something um, that's basically, let's say, a 3,000 square foot detached house, which is probably one and a half million in Irvine. But in Riverside area, that's maybe five or 600,000. To the Chinese buyer that doesn't do their homework properly, I'm sorry about that. You're a popular guy, no I'm worries. Popular, so that's a good thing, yeah, good thing for business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they basically do not do their homework well, they say it's the same type of house, they're both pretty new, why is one one third the price? I want to go with that one. <laughs> so if they don't do their homework, they're going to end up with a property that, of course, um, and I don't want to sound condescending or anything, it's a completely different um, lower area. Yeah. Um, whereas Irvine, of course, everyone wants to be in Irvine um, or Coastal or Orange County or Central LA type area. Um, second thing is, and this affects the Chinese buyers more than any other international buyer, is they have to prepare their money um, a little bit earlier than most other buyers. And this is partly because the Chinese government does not want a huge um, outflux of US currency. And part of it is to do with the internal um, Chinese, the uh, International Monetary Fund, um, basically responsibilities. They need to keep a certain amount of liquid uh, USD funds on hand. Um, so if everybody in China says, I'm going to go buy something outside of China. They're going to have no more of these foreign funds on hand, and then they're not going to be on the International Monetary Fund, which they spent a lot of time and effort to get basically approved on that, which happened. Um, this was about two and a half years ago that it basically became um, traded on the Forex uh, openly. Um, and before that, it was kind of a closed uh, system. Um, so we basically want to make sure that our Chinese clients um, know that they can't just come over here one trip, say, I found a house, I want to buy it. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, and we basically make sure we explain that to them because we've had some of those, those type of situations happen before. Um, a lot of agents that I kind of, um, not per se coach, but I kind of consult um, on a friend basis. They bring up questions. I say, you should approach it this way or you should think of it this way. Um, they run into these problems all the time. I, and basically, um, these clients, if that happens, and they basically come over, spend uh, two weeks, a month over here, find a perfect home, but they cannot buy it, most likely they are not going to come look for that original agent after. So we kind of try to uh, mitigate this problem by saying, make sure your funds are um, basically readied first, or at least started um, as far as transferring it to the US or wherever it needs to be. And then once they come over here physically, um, we can basically invest that amount of time to basically search for the actual home. Um, if the money is not ready, we usually just take them out to one project to kind of give them an idea um, what the uh, US or Southern California home looks like. So they can basically prepare on the back end once they go back. And then um, half a year, one year later, when they come back, the money's ready. So they're ready to go. 
This is awesome. Thank you so much for saying this because I think you just saved so many people so much headache if they <laughs> have not done the research. So that's mm -hmm. great. Um, one thing I do want to say is like, you know, as a CEO, I actually see all your traveling pictures, you know, when you go uh, take trips to, you know, Asia and then you do all your marketing stuff, you're like a really busy guy. So um, what is it like, you know, traveling and doing business? Like, how do you like manage, you know, all your, all your tasks? Okay. Um, so basically, um, like you said, I kind of do business a lot differently than most people would. Um, a lot of people say, well, <laughs> how do you even have time to basically be on task? Um, for me, um, part of it is me choosing the kind of lifestyle that I want. Um, and I don't want to basically be bogged down in the office or uh, somewhere basically 365 days a year. Yeah. So I basically made a very intentional choice. I don't care if I'm losing business in between as long as I can basically um, be able to do what I want and be able to um, invest the time into the clients or the initiatives that I'm um, basically part of. Um, so that's one thing. Um, so like you said, we do travel a lot. Part of the travel basically is business related. So um, it's not completely uh, running off and going on vacation. Pictures <laughs> um, look so fun. Um. <laughs> yeah, but when, when we do go out uh, for business related, we usually try to squeeze in maybe um, a couple of days or maybe one week um, that is basically vacation related. So um, for instance, if we go to China, we'll basically choose somewhere else in China we haven't been to before, maybe spend half a week, one week over there um, as basically just kind of relax or um, unload time. Um, basically, when we do go out of the country, um, we basically, um, the Remax that I'm part of is actually one of the larger Remaxes. We have um, about 150 agents across three offices, so it's pretty large. Um, I'll basically find one of our um, agent um, colleagues and say, I'm going to be leaving the country. I have a couple open tasks, so I have some clients that are coming into town. Um, I need some help um, basically with them because I'm not going to be here. Um, and basically, we work it out on kind of a um, commission split type system or a compensation type system if it's not a direct client. Um, so um, per se, I have extended team um, that's watching over my files if I have an active deal or active client um, in town or uh, specific tasks um, that I have open that I need completed. Um, basically, I can give them tasks to complete. Awesome. I love how just like careful you delegated everything. It's just very intentional. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of like your favorite um, client success story? Because I know that, you know, once you help them, their lives are changed for sure. So mm -hmm. what are some of not to pick favorites, you don't have to name names or anything, but just uh -huh. like just so our listeners can kind of see how you help them. Um, mm -hmm. What are your favorite um, success stories? Okay, um, so one of our earlier clients, um, and like I said, we attended a lot of these uh, real estate and investment expo shows um, within China before, um, and this client, we actually met the first show we did, and the first show we did, we kind of chose to do it by accident. Um, what happened was, uh, my wife now, um, we basically um, had a Chinese TV box, um, kind of those little cable boxes. Um, but only um, shows you the channels that are within China. And we were watching, um, I believe it's CCTV 9 or CCTV 4, which is the international channel. I don't, I'm not sure which one it is. But they actually did a, um, basically a small uh, section on the, basically the real estate expo shows there. And there was an independent broker that was basically saying, yeah, this is what the show is, this is what we did. Um, what their kind of overall impression was of it, um, and it was not a big name, so not a Remax, not a Century 21, not a Coldwell Banker, 
just kind of an independent guy. So um, that was kind of cool. And after that kind of got uh, me and my wife thinking, how do we attend the show? Um, and is it something that um, would be good for us? And prior to actually um, kind of just jumping in um, headfirst into that kind of situation, we were working with incoming Chinese clients since they are coming along all the way, but we weren't actually um, intentional about generating leads on our own or trying to get people to come over direct from China. Um, so um, that's how we ended up starting to do those shows. And of course, doing those shows, we kind of created a lot of uh, relationships in between. And that's kind of um, what we're doing now um, is when we go to China, we're meeting with our uh, partners um, and um, potential uh, clients and past clients. Uh, so kind of just um, a lot of relational based um, stuff to maintain. Um, which all of Asia um, marketing and uh, business is all relational. Um, so that client basically we met during that first show, which was in Beijing. Um, and we were lucky to find another broker in Northern California to team up with us. So it um, offset both of our costs basically by half. Um, the booths are very expensive. They're anywhere from 5000 to probably about 8000 based off the booth size. Um, this client that we basically um, closed she actually, and like I said, we basically went on vacation in between in China and she was calling and calling and she actually ended up calling basically um, since I have my phone uh, forwarded a couple different places. If I don't answer, it forwards to another person or an assistant and actually basically went to my assistant that was watching my file um, when I was basically there. So she, she took the message for me and then basically we were able to touch base when we were um, on vacation in between. But she basically um, was ready to go. She was purchasing cash. Um, and basically, when we got back to the U.S., they didn't want to come over. So we were kind of thinking, who is this person that has no time <laughs> to come look at the <laughs> houses? Um, and my, my wife kind of commented, maybe there's someone famous. <laughs> uh, but no, basically, they, they basically um, her and her husband, um, many, many years back, uh, used to live in Texas. Uh, the husband is a researcher, uh, and they were, I guess, doing a, a research-related project with one of the colleges. So they actually lived in the U.S. for many years uh, before. So they were kind of a little bit more trusting than your standard um, Chinese client that has never been outside of China. Uh, so they basically um, purchased a home cash sight unseen uh, physically, but um, we did photos in person um, and videos in person. No Photoshop, no cleanup. Um, we're saying basically um, anything you see online usually has been prettied up a little bit. So don't believe it 100%. Um, and we basically narrowed it down to two properties. And then we ended up um, helping them purchase one property. And um, I mentioned this client because um, in between, um, they basically, we basically got to talking. I told them my background, my, what my parents did which was investing in a lot of rental properties. And that's where most of my parents uh, basically, uh, wealth or retirement fund, you might wanna say they're both retired now, that's where that came from, is basically investing in real estate and they're kind of living off of that right now. So this client basically in between, um, they have purchased um, a property in Atlanta. Is it Atlanta? Not Atlanta. Um, in Detroit area. Um, and this was, um, I think it was under a hundred thousand. So to them, that was a very good entry point, um, straight rental property. And then uh, a little bit more recently, they purchased a property in Texas. Um, 
And the Texas one was actually through one of my referrals. I referred them over to an agent friend of mine. So um, they're slowly building kind of their real estate portfolio here, um, which to me, that's the correct way to do it. If you're going to invest, do it correctly. Um, a lot of people are kind of looking for the quick return, but that's kind of riskier, um, especially as a foreign uh, buyer. Uh, you don't have any control of anything. You basically put your money in and then you kind of are stuck until the project or um, whatever the um, funds are going into finishes or completes whatever phase it needs to complete. Um, so the long-term real estate investment, I think, is very safe, very steady. That's awesome. That's just a perfect story because you were on vacation, uh -huh. you know, and yeah. then, you know, it, she was just like, hey, I don't even want to see it. Just, you know, take my money. Right. So that's a that's uh -huh. a great story. So um, I do want to touch on, you know, you're I feel like you're a member of like all the different networking groups in Orange County. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people wish that they were as good as networking as you. And even, you know, your pro protege, um, Alex, you, he's actually very good at networking. So I'm assuming he also learned a little bit from you, too. Uh -huh. So what would you say? Um, for people starting out businesses, you know, wanting to network, um, what kind of advice would you give them? Okay, so um, yeah, that's very important, and I'm glad you brought up Alex. Um, I actually learned a lot from Alex. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I basically uh, recruited him into my group, um, and he was with me for about a year and a half, um, which was very good. And he actually comes from uh, previously from the mortgage um, side, so he basically has a huge contact base as far as. Uh, a lot of people that are in the real estate industry. And he is very involved, I guess, on the more uh, political um, volunteer type side. Um, I forget which politician um, he helps um, with, but he's one of the uh, volunteers with them. And he does a lot of volunteering on the side, uh, which is very cool. Um, I'm sure you see his posts every now and then. Um, so basically, as um, and anyone, doesn't have to be a business-related um, pursuit or not, should be networking. That's um, something I, I think should is is a must, um, and either to find friends or to basically like for us doing business to find potential partners to find potential clients. Um, one of the best ways to do this, my opinion, um, is to network with the local chamber of commerce. Uh, local local chamber of commerce uh, basically has a wide range of industries represented. Um, so that's a very good place to basically meet a lot of people that have been in the area uh, for a while um, or know other people that are um, basically related to whatever industry that you're in. Um, and for instance, the Greater Irvine Chamber, they are pretty big. Um, they actually have a global uh, committee. Um, my co-chair for next year, she's on that committee, so that's kind of cool. And what their goal is, is actually trying to bring in international companies into Irvine to set up a U.S. subsidiary, a second home base, basically. And on the news recently, um, we keep on seeing that Amazon basically wants to create a second home base. Um, Irvine, basically, the same thing. They put in a um, basically application or a proposal for that. Um, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, Irvine is one of the higher cost areas to do business, but with that higher cost, it has prestige along with it. Um, so depending what type of business you're in, you have to kind of research um, what areas uh, might fit well for your business um, or what areas your potential clients or partners might be in. And this actually um, affected me as well. Um, when I first started real estate, um, I was in Anaheim Hills. Um, 
which is North Orange County, um, upper middle income area. Um, and at that time, um, it was a Century 21. Um, they had the best training program, so that's how I ended up there. Um, when the market basically capsized 2007, 2008, I basically moved myself to um, basically the previous Remax I was with um, in, um, what is this? This is East Anaheim. So it's a more um, highly Hispanic area as far as the homeownership or the residents. Uh, but at that time, basically, we were concentrating more on bank-owned properties or short sales. Um, and that office basically had a very huge concentration of agents working on those. Um, so we went over there. Um, halfway along the time, market basically started picking up again. So around uh, 2000, uh, 2011, 2010, um, I said, I need an Irvine address. So uh, at first, I thought I could get by. I basically transferred myself to um, the same company in Anaheim. They had a secondary office in Costa Mesa. Uh, so I transferred my over, myself over there for about half a year, um, just trying to play it off, saying I'm, quote, unquote, close enough to Irvine that I can say Irvine market. Um, that was not working. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically... Um, recruited myself over to the current Remax I'm at, um, which is basically Remax Premier, which is the largest um, broker as far as transaction count um, in Irvine. Um, and of course, um, if you want to do marketing, saying you're in Irvine, be in Irvine. Yeah. Um, and this, of course, doesn't just affect real estate, it affects financial people, uh, saying you're in Irvine or saying you're in Newport Beach, gives a higher... Um, higher perception um, than if you were just saying you're, let's say, just Tustin or just Orange or um, anywhere else. It kind of um, gives it the appearance that um, you're kind of a little bit higher level. Um, and maybe it's subliminal, but I, I think it all helps. Yeah, I remember, you know, the prestige in Irvine that you were going to say. I was actually watching a Taiwanese show and, like, um, one of the singers was from, like, I, I don't know, like, San Jose and another one from Irvine, right? Immediately the co-host co is like, oh, they're rich, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely worth it, you know, to invest uh -huh. in that prestige. So that's great. Uh -huh. So if you're looking to work with you further and continue the conversation and see how we can work with you, what would be the next step? Um, okay, so if any, anyone um, has any questions related to international, I'm of course very happy to answer. Um, no phone calls, please, because uh, <laughs> too, 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 too many of those. <laughs> um, uh, email or probably WeChat. Um, and, of course, through Lee um, would be perfect. So, um, And I'm very happy to help, very open. Um, I've had basically a lot of good mentors along the way. That's something else if you're basically starting up a business. Find a mentor. Uh, doesn't have to be in the same industry, uh, but find someone that basically has the same um, goals as you or the same thought process that can kind of help push you, uh, hold you accountable um, to do basically what you're trying to do. Um, for me, basically, I've had a lot of, lot of different mentors, not per se um, direct mentors, but that, that's the position they kind of held for me, but it all helps. Awesome. And can you give us your contact information um, just so I can post it in the show notes or uh, in the description? Yeah. Uh, Spencer at thewhogroup.com. Um, S-P-E-N-C-E-R at T-H-E-H-O-O -O group.com. Awesome. And just one last question. What advice would you give to immigrant CEOs? Okay. So for immigrants coming to the U.S., um, and I know you are um, one as well, um, basically going through school and then basically um, 
being very successful, I, I would say, within these last couple of years, um, doing what you love to do. Um, as a student or as um, basically just relocating as uh, parents, um, if you wanted to do something uh, professionally or job-wise, find something that you like to do. Don't get forced um, into something else. Don't get forced into a nine-to-five or working at a restaurant as a host or waitress or whatever. Find something you like to do because that's what's going to end up um, getting you to the next step, wherever that is, um, a, a raise to a better position, a promotion, um, being recruited to a different company, um, that type of um, growth. Uh, for me, basically, this year, um, this didn't come all um, at once um, by accident. Um, I've basically been involved with a lot of organizations previously, um, and basically, people kind of know you after a while. And same thing, this goes back to the networking. Um, if you're networking, people will start to notice um, that you're attending a lot of these events or you're volunteering your time or you're, um, for me, I, I like to speak or help, um, not per se direct training, but I like to give my input on a lot of um, things um, with different organizations. And people start to notice that you're contributing or participating. Um, and these are all very good um, opportunities, either um, basically find out what other people are doing or them trying to recruit you to their company, um, a lot of this type of stuff. Um, and of course, uh, for our students, basically graduating from college, um, a lot of these, um, and this is just my personal opinion, of course, a lot of these uh, academic programs are not really training the students for the job market. They're more training for, uh, my, my word is theory, and that was kind so of one, one of my um, complaints at UCI when I was still um, computer engineering was they were teaching us theory, which of course is important, but you should be taught practical um, use as well. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was a little bit different since I, all the way through college, was already working in technical, but I saw a lot of my peers, which they would basically be getting the top grades, but I thought to myself, once they graduated, what are they going to do? They're not continuing to basically go to go to work and do tests. That's yeah. not what it works for. Yeah. You're actually working on potential projects, or you're working on reports, uh, you're working on creating um, miscellaneous um, stuff. So um, part of that, I think, um, these students should become more involved while they're still within college with uh, practical related. So perhaps uh, internship related programs. Um, every college I know of has a career center that um, helps um, basically uh, match uh, students up with companies for this, um, which I think is very good. Uh, finding family members or friends that have companies and saying, look, I want to learn a little bit about what your uh, company does if, if you're willing to have someone help. Um, that type of stuff I think is very important. And I kind of, like I said, a little bit different growing up. I kind of made myself work. So I had a, that background already. But for the normal student, maybe they're too concentrating on basically school, studying, tests. They don't, um, they don't know to basically look for that next portion, which I think is very important as well. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So thank you so much for dropping so much knowledge, so much practical experience. You definitely saved some homeowner from, you know, basically I would say like six months of just wandering. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on our show and no hope to Thanks see you. Yeah, and hope to have you on many other episodes to come.